0: Texas,
1: 1549,
0: runway 4, clear for takeoff. Sully. Sully. Sully, we're too Sully. Sully! Sully! Sully, where are you?
1: No one warned us. No one said you were going to lose both engines at a lower altitude than any jet in history. This was dual engine loss at 2,800 feet followed by an immediate water landing with 155 souls on board. No one has ever trained for an incident like that.
0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of our Conversations with Sound Artists podcast series. Uh, We are on the lot at Warner Brothers uh, today, uh, shining a little spotlight on the movie Sully, uh, which is nominated in the Best Sound Editing uh, category, and we're here talking with Alan Murray. We're, we're, this is almost like we're 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 going to be old friends about this, aren't we? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. We, uh,
0: we talked just last year about your nomination about Sicario, right? And um, and and Alan, uh, this is your—you've—you've you've been nominated seven times and won twice.
1: Uh, or you've been
0: nominated nine times and won twice. Yes.
1: <clears throat> yes. Right. It's yes. it's
0: it's been a, a pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then we've. Three noms in a row, so we're—I uh, couldn't be prouder of the crew and the mixed stages and everybody involved, so it's quite a deal for everybody, so we're really proud of it.
0: Yeah, and you've been—I mean, obviously, you've had an amazing long run with uh, with Mr. Eastwood.
1: Yeah. When did you start working with Clint? Uh, I believe it was 19—God, I don't want to date myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all its all on the internet uh, anyway. It was nine. Uh, 19- let's say 79
0: which which one was that was that
1: the- uh, Ex- escape from alcatraz escape from alcatraz the first one yeah and were
0: you in a what how did you get what, what was your first job working with uh, with clint were you was it was in the sound department
1: yeah uh we had just become supervisors over at paramount and george waters and i and uh i heard he was coming over and doing a movie at paramount and i had just recently seen Josie Wills oh, and it yeah. was like oh my god I gotta work with this guy so his uh, film editor came over and set up rooms at Paramount so one day I just dropped by and that's back in the days when you could do that you know there sure. weren't security guards and security locks on cutting rooms and I walked in and introduced myself, and I said... You just walked right up to Clinton? No, it was Ferris Webster, the film editor.
0: His picture editor, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. So I walked in there and I said, Hey, Ferris, I'd like to introduce myself. Uh, I'm an ambitious young sound supervisor, and I just saw Josie Wales, and I would do anything to work with Mr. Eastwood, and he said, Well, you know, we'll see. And so I'd see him in the commissary and go up and start talking to him again, and then... One day, he had Don Siegel with him, who directed it, and I met Don, and we talked some more, and then about a week later, Ferris called me up and said, Okay, kid, we're going to give you a shot. Wow. And uh, we did the temp mix with Don Siegel, and then at the end of that, we were screening it, and I walked into this uh, projection room, and they rolled the movie, and we sat there and watched the whole mix together. And during the screening, I felt this presence walk in behind me, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't want to turn around. I just stayed focused up front. And at the end of the movie, I felt this pat on my back, and I heard this "Nice job, kid." <laughs> and I turned around, and it was in Glenn. It was like, that, "Oh my God!" In that voice. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, started on that one, and it's been going. I guess that's. 38 years.
0: Have you missed one or you've been you, you no. you've had perfect attendance?
1: Perfect attendance. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's hard with schedules and all that, but you know, I I wouldn't miss it. So Well, you got to make it you have to make it work. Yeah, right? I got to make it work, so. Yeah. Been lucky. So,
0: uh 38 years, you said? So yeah. Sully, um, you know, and obviously you guys are coming off of a really successful movie with uh, with American Sniper was the, the one right before this. Right. Um, how has working with Clint changed over the years? Has his style changed? Is he, you know, obviously the technology has changed as you guys have gone to digital. But has that really changed the way Clint works at all?
1: No, not really because, I mean, he still relies on us to make a take on the reel. And then he'll come back and watch playback. And then it's still the same trust that he's always had. You guys know better than I on what you're doing and, you know, show me your best work and let's review it and talk about it and I'll make changes and let's move on from there. He hates sitting on the stage going back and forth. Just most directors hate that. So yeah. it's like, Clint, stay in your office. We'll make a take on the on the reel and then come down and we'll play it back for you. and.
0: Now, is that partially just because um, uh, he wants to keep his ears fresh or yeah. just be- – yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he wants – he again, he – you know, if you're going to work on a line of dialogue and you're going to go back and forth over it 50 times, he's out of the room. Yeah. I, it's like he doesn't have the patience. So it's better just for him to stay and come in fresh ears and sit back and watch the reel. So <clears> – <throat>
0: By this point, you got you you've you've done so many pictures uh, with Mr. Eastwood, so you you know you know what you get a call from his producer before they you know before they go shoot a movie we're we're going to go do how did it work with Sully when did you find out about it you know and, and this was sort of a this was this wasn't a huge budget movie uh, I think it was
1: 50, Oh, well 50 that,
0: that's that that's a good size yeah yeah
1: um well we found out he was doing it and then usually what to do is send me the script. And I'll go through the script and go, I need to do this, this, and record this. And then we work out the logistics and if it's possible and all that. And the way this one started, um, Captain Sullenberger came in to Eastwood's office and kind of held court with everybody on the crew. Everybody got 45 minutes to interview him.
0: Before they went and shot the movie. Yeah.
1: wow so wardrobe came in he went over everything uh then uh i got my 45 minutes and you know you walk into the room and here's this stoic hero and you're just you're in awe of the guy and he's got this big booming voice oh does he (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's like wow so you know it's like, how do I address you, God, hero, right. sir? <laughs> so yeah, no, Captain Sully. So uh, yeah, he told us everything that went on. And uh,
0: well, what kind of questions did you ask him?
1: Uh, what, what? What did, did, what did it sound bird like? Strike sound? <laughs> yeah. How was that? Birds. Whoa. What immediately happened to the engines, and he said, "You know, you got to understand from the cockpit because the engines are, back, are behind you." Yeah, he's got a different perspective of what everybody hears. And in the movie, we had to show cockpit, passenger section, and exterior, so we had to do it three times. Sure, but uh, I never, I'd
0: never thought about that. What, what, what do the engines sound like in the cockpit?
1: Uh, well, it's are you a, getting, are you getting more vibration and structural stuff, or are you no, actually? You, you, on normal engines, you kind of hear the rumble and the the jet whine a little bit. But when the after the birds struck and all the uh, turbine blades were broken and smashed, he said it sounded like some really big heavy shoes in a clothes dryer just. Boom, oh, interesting. Because th- I guess the uh, rotors were still free when the plane was descending, so it was them trying to turn with all the broken turbine oh, blades inside. Okay. So. So he described that. Um, we also had the cockpit uh, cockpit recorder transcripts right. that broke down everything he said and told us what alarms were going off in that time period. It was broken down to seconds and minutes, and sure. I think the whole thing lasted three minutes.
0: So. It's pretty amazing how fast yeah. the whole thing goes, doesn't yeah. it? And, yeah, because there were constantly uh, alarms going off and the, the, the automatic Recordings. Yeah, uh, voice alarms. Yeah, the voice alarms. Yeah, yeah.
1: those are crazy. I I never would have thought they sound (laughs) like uh, 32 bit Nintendo games. It's like, oh my God. So, yeah, that was a revelation. Mayday, Mayday, Cactus 1549. We've lost both engines. Both engines. One or two. 1549,
0: if we can get it for you. Do you want to try to land runway 13? Departure control, we can make it. We're turning back towards LaGuardia.
1: By building uh, the soundtrack to the actual transcripts, because Tom Hanks said everything that Sully really said in the cockpit, So we could, you know, where Tom Hanks said this, we knew in that time frame what alarms were going off and all that. So we got to rebuild it. And after we rebuilt the cockpit, it was amazing how much chaos was going on. And just for that guy to keep his focus on what he was doing, he had air traffic control calling him. He had the computer voice, you know, pull up, pull up, pull up. The alarms were ringing. I just don't know how he kept his focus and to land that plane that perfectly. Right. Uh, it's like a mir- it is a miracle. So. So when when you went
0: back and basically kind of, <clears throat> it sounds like you did a little bit of forensics and you kind of rebuilt, you know, in, in high fidelity, you know, yeah. uh, the w- what was happening on the, the the audio recordings from the cockpit. Did it end up being too much? Like, did you have to pull some of that stuff? But was no. it just too chaotic? No,
1: it really it built the tension. It s- built the tension. So. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, after we built it, we sat back and went, "Oh my God, you didn't need score, you didn't need anything. It was the tension of the cockpit, plus the engines were making their noise, you know, from the turbine blades bouncing around and
0: because that sequence basically, it, it, it happens, you know, sort of midway through the through the through the film uh, yeah. when the actual when the when they when the crash happens, um, or I should say the forced water landing. Yes, <laughs> um, so. And um, my my feeling was that it played out almost in real time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the famous film editor uh, that cut the movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now we should we should we should acknowledge, <laughs> you guys are keeping it in the family. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. My son got his big break on Sully, so uh, and yeah, he he,
0: he edited the uh, he edited picture edited picture, right?
1: Yes, and uh, it was a huge movie. I mean, he's been in the cutting room for twelve years, so it was a natural progression, but. You know, to get a break on a movie like that with Tom Hanks, of and course. So, yeah, they uh, they you, went real.
0: Usually the usually the picture editor kind of busts the chops of the of the of the sound supervisor. Uh-huh. Yeah, a
1: little bit. Did that Did that happen on this? He picture? tried. <laughs> <laughs> but the old age prevailed. So no, we. Uh, he told me his ideas, and you know, I, he he started out in sound with me, so he right. knows so. Uh, he had his own ideas I think the problem with with what he was going through when you're in the room with the avid it's like a personal thing you don't have huge soundtracks you got maybe three tracks and it becomes a very narrow focus right and he's trying to tell the story and then he walks on the stage and he's got sounds coming out of every speaker and it's it's a shock right you know you're not you all of a sudden this intimate thing you've been dealing will with, with has turned into a monster of sound so
0: well and you guys don't with with mr eastwood you don't do a lot of test screenings and temp mixes do you
1: no we don't we don't do temp mixes uh we have pretty adequate time to do the final and we go right into a final so yeah yeah he's he's like you know let's get it done and any screenings or anything comes after the final mix. So. Right. Right. Yeah. He shows the movie when he's good and ready to show yeah. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and then on this one it was uh Captain sullenberger said he talked about the A320 and what a incredible airplane it was. And he mentioned that the one he was flying had specific engines. Huh. So, uh, back east, they use these engines more than they do out here. So uh, we were thinking, well, how do we get an Airbus A320? And you know, and <laughs> so
0: I, that was actually uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you was sort of like, you know, normally when you get a, uh, you know, you start to work on a movie, you're like, okay, well, I, I want to go out and record my sounds, and like, what, how, you, how do you, how do you stage an A320 making a forced water landing on the Hudson <laughs> so that you, so you can get some good sound effects recordings.
1: the impression as a sound supervisor it's let me hear the sound Mm -hmm. i need to experience what sullenberger was hearing i need to feel what that jet sounds like and then i can build on it but first i've got to hear the real thing what actually happened yeah so uh american airlines had taken over u.s air at that point So we tried to, we, you know, we talked to the head and they were cooperating with the movie. So we talked to the head of American Airlines and it was like, you know, I need to record one of these planes and it's got to have these specific engines. And they're going, you know, Alan, in this time and age with security problems, there's no way I can put you on an airliner with a recording crew. You know, just the security alone is crazy. And I kept on thinking, you guys can tell me no now, but I got to do this because I owe it to Captain Sully. I mean, this is his story. He's a live hero. You want to portray what he was hearing, and you want to do it right. Right. So I kept dogging him, and and finally I said, there's got to be a point where you take one of these A320s and have it repaired. You got to, you know— So finally they found one with the engines and they were flying it out of uh, Arizona to Texas to have it painted. (laughs) And so I said, all right, you know, that's it. So we grabbed the sound crew, flew to uh, Arizona, got out on the tarmac with uh, a couple of A320s, recorded all the exterior taxing and all that. And then we boarded this, this jet that was taken off to Texas. We wired the whole thing, wow. just me and, and John Fasal, wired the whole thing with mics, one in the passenger section, uh, cockpit, every place.
0: Then they let you have free run, you know, because they weren't obviously they weren't they weren't flying any passengers. They no were passengers,
1: like a, just us and the pilot. Pilot was great. How do you want me to take off? And do oh really? To, oh yeah. Do you want me to do it like in the movie? You want, me to, a,
0: you want me to cut the engines and bring it in for landing? Yeah, your no, he, he wouldn't go that
1: far. So you know, we we flew to Texas that night, and we ran into this huge thunderstorm just as we were coming into. I think it was. Uh, what was the area of Texas we'd landed in? Oh, well. Anyhow, it was a smaller airport. And this plane was dropping like 35, 40 feet because of the air pressure change. Oh, because, yeah. So we got all that type of sound, which was... At one point, I'm thinking, oh, my God, we're actually going to be able to record a plane going down, you know? <laughs> so You were, you were white-knuckling it a yeah. little bit, yeah. So And then we landed, and the, we told the pilot we needed to get some exterior engines, close-up mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And could he rev the engines up to 100% power and then do a shutdown? And So we're out there on the the tarmac. It must have been 1130 at that time. <laughs> and the head of the airport comes out, and he says... What the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> Boys, you don't get... If you don't get that airplane out of here, I got guys that are tired, they want to shut down the the airport, you got a half hour. And it was like, you know, John Fasol. He's like, wow, well, wait, I got to get one more thing in there. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So at that time, we actually... Uh, when they shut down the engines, I guess because of the uh, altitude and the heat of flying into uh, Texas... The we got in close to the cowling, and the rotors were rubbing against the inner lining of the really? cowling because I guess they had expanded with the heat. And that's normal. They said it was. <laughs> <Let> <laughs> it me did, tell it you. didn't sound normal. Did it, it? Was, <clears throat> it was. It was. It was a scary sound. And we actually used that in the in the movie where he was coming in to hit the Hudson. So. Uh yeah, it was a, a scary sound. And then we boarded another plane and flew it back and recorded that plane. Oh, I we see. Flew back to Arizona.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, the first time I, when I was just thinking about it, I was like, oh, well, they lost the engine. So it actually must have been really eerily quiet when the plane was coming in.
1: Yeah, except for the rotors banging around. But yeah, he said basically he heard this eerie wind against the airframe. Oh, man you know, in between all the computer alarms and all that. So that was a hard thing about the movie because you go from this dynamic bird strike and the engines blowing and flames coming out of the engines to nothing in the most crucial part of the movie. So we had to keep up the tension, you know, so it was coming up with a uh, air kind of hitting the airframe and, and, uh, Tom Ozanich, the sound designer, and come up with these uh, stress on the airframe. Kind and of this. creaks and groans. Yeah, and yeah, things. groans uh-huh. and stuff like that. So that was our uh, score for that part of the. Because it wasn't any music on that sequence, right? No. no. Yeah. Yeah, Clint, Clint. Clint,
0: he uses his music really sparingly, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, and he went he went to a uh, kind of an uh, extreme on this when he wanted to use this jazz quartet and this woman did some vocal uh it was almost like a a jazz thing but with these uh renaissance vocal type (laughs) things you know so uh we tried to incorporate incorporate that where we could uh some places uh, it just didn't work, but uh, we came to a good balance on trying to get most of that in what he wanted. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, he tends to he tends to lay back on music. He doesn't want to force the issue on people. He doesn't want to tell you how to feel. Right. So you know,
0: so it puts a lot more pressure on you.
1: Yeah, and and I love it because we get to shine. You know, we've got the whole. Uh, soundscape to play with so heads down stay down two stars heads down
0: stay down Well, the the other thing that I thought was really interesting structurally about the movie and kind of gave you a great opportunity was, you know, it's sort of like Titanic. We know how this story is going to end. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we know what happens from the, from the very beginning. I thought, you know, obviously the movie opens with the plane. You know, with the plane crash as well. Except it doesn't—it doesn't turn out quite the way you think it's going to. <laughs> no. So w- what happens? Uh, for maybe for people who haven't seen it, right at the that, that opening.
1: Well, the opening sequence—it was okay. This is a nightmare. Right. So we're going crazy with the sound. We're not sticking to anything real, or so we went kind of overboard on that and, to show the terror of what really could have happened and what was avoided because you stage
0: those basically kind of they're, they're kind of daydreams on Sully's part but they're nightmares as well when, when you know, if things had worked out differently yeah. you know if he'd crashed the plane in Manhattan right and so you had this opportunity to kind of you know obviously the audience is waiting for the crash sequence and I think I thought it was really smart not to just leave it until an hour and ten minutes into the movie yeah like actually do it right at the beginning yeah but I thought it was a really smart idea to play with the reality a little bit and you guys really had some uh, some interesting opportunities with the with the design there as
1: well. Yeah, we got to go wild with everything. And it was nice cuz you know, we got that out of our system and, right. <laughs> and then we went, okay, now we got to deal with the kind of documentary style the way we're going to do this on the r- real event. So yeah, it was uh and I got to tell you, you know, we went down to uh, the Air Force base in New Mexico to do the F4 sequence. And again, it was something I had seen in the script and requested.
0: So the, the F4 sequence is sort of a flashback to when Sully was younger? Right. Yeah.
1: And um, I got to tell you, the producers at Malpaso, they know that I'm trying as hard as I can. So they're really great about trying to get me to get in there and record these things. So again, that was another security thing going down there. But... You know, but you also like,
0: you know, Mr. Eastwood's name does some sometimes it opens does. some it opens doors, doors. Yeah. <laughs> for some for these kinds of things, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah,
1: just a real quick side story. We were doing the American Sniper, and we were in Twenty Nine Palms with at the, at the Marine Base there at the Marine Base doing a huge military exercise where we were recording howitzers, and we were like, I think we were may have been. Five hundred yards away from an impact zone, where they were, the howitzer shells were flying over our head and hitting there, and jets were dropping five hundred pound bombs, and it was loud. It was loud, but you <laughs> don't, you can't get the awe unless you're there. Right. And the uh, Marine major said to me, "Okay, they're going to let off a line charge." Well. I don't know what a line charge is, and I've never heard one. And we're out there, wearing in Kevlar vests and helmets, you know, with our recording equipment. We must have looked like the biggest geeks to these <laughs> Marines, you know. But the guy says, okay, the line charge is coming. And I'm looking down at my meters going, okay, what's how loud is this going to be? This thing went off. And it lifted me three feet off the ground and threw me flat on my back. Wow. And that was just The 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 wave, Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, how do these guys go through that every day? I had never felt anything like that before. And I thought, well, thank God I had the helmet. Yeah. You know, so. I'm going to presume you pegged your microphone that day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, then we were driving back. We were leaving the area. And the jets that were doing the military exercise, they called in to the major in the Humvee and they said, we understand Mr. Eastwood's crew was out here recording. We'd like to do a salute to Mr. Eastwood. So he pulls over, and down this desert canyon come these six. They must have been, I think they were F 18s or something. Anyhow, Screaming they, they're down coming down and they're doing uh, barrel rolls as a salute to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I was just blown away. It was so impressive, and naturally, you didn't hear anything until they got right on top of you, and then it was like again, just blew you out of the water. So, but I thought, oh my god, these guys are, you that's know, great. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. Yeah. So
0: uh, you know, so they let you go down and record some of this stuff with the. Uh, you said it was F fours.
1: F fours. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Clint, I get down there and he flies, We all fly down there and and. You know, he has production meetings and then we got to get up at four in the morning. I don't know. The military always got to do four in the morning for some reason. And if you've ever been out in the desert at four in the morning in the winter, it's quite an experience. So we get out there and, you know, Clint's the first guy up. Right. He's the first guy out there. It's just, you know, with a leader like that, it's like, oh, God, you know, and so afterwards, you know, they landed the F-4s and the, the pilots came over. And again, they asked me if I needed anything. So we got close-up recordings of the F-4 engines and all that. And then Clint spent 15, 20 minutes with the pilots' wives and families. And that's just the type of guy he is. Sure. I mean, so, you know, he gets everybody on board and it's really a cool thing that he does. so And everybody,
0: everybody wants to give it their all.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat>
0: So, so you had this movie, you had Sully on the one hand that everybody wants to, you know, pay tribute to and Mr.
1: Eastwood. Yeah, so. two iconic figures. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of responsibility on that movie and uh, a lot of pressure to do it right. And thank God everything came out the way we wanted to. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I wanted to give you a, a chance to to give a shout out to your Foley crew, because I'm sure they did some pretty amazing work on this film.
1: Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, I've had a long relationship with One Step Up. Um, they're the best. Uh, and Dan always does the extra mile for me. He's. Uh,
0: so how did they do like, you know, all the you know, walking on the wing? I mean, it, 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 it's just the, the, the magic that they do.
1: Yeah, it's the magic that they do. And you uh, you also got to remember uh, the production bought uh, two A320s. And, uh, the production bought yes, two A320s. Dead A320s. <laughs> they sold the engines. They cut them in half. And they dressed them up, and that's what they that, that, that's what they shot on? Yeah, they brought one to the lake in Universal. So they oh. put a whole A320 in this lake.
0: And on the back lot at Universal, on the
1: back lot, they have a huge pool. They yeah. flooded
0: that out and put the A three twenty in there. Yeah, and that's where they shot
1: a bunch of the stuff. That's where they shot the whole evacuation onto the Hudson uh, Bay.
0: And then you guys had access to that,
1: obviously. So again, yeah. So we got to go in there and record inside the airliner, and then they cut another piece off, which was just the cockpit, and brought it over to a sound stage here. So after they shot, you know, uh, Tom Hanks scene who was... He's amazing. He's yeah. amazing, yeah. Um, I actually had the guy that was showing Tom how to fly the plane for the movie. He sat there and went over every switch with me in the cockpit. At this point, Tom's going to hit this switch, so we'd record that, and then he'd move on to the next one. So it was, yeah, all these people just... Poured their heart out and made everything so. It's actually,
0: great. It's, it's if you listen carefully to the track, that's that's really real. how it went down. It is so
1: real, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every switch was choreographed and yeah. So, <laughs> what an amazing piece! Of and work. and how lucky is that? Yeah. How would you like to do that movie out of just the library? Right. I mean, you know, I I would I was gonna be the last guy to hear Sully say, you know, that's the wrong sound now. You know, I mean come on. That's not the way it happened. Yeah, so I couldn't let that happen. So it was a lot of dedication to do it right. So
0: that must have been pretty intense for them when they saw the movie for the first time.
1: Yeah, he uh they went and had a special screening for him and he said it was uh out of body experience. He was uh, very happy with it and then supported the film. He went to all the film festivals and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Hopefully, he'll be at the Oscars. So, yeah, he's he's a great guy. That's great. Yeah.
0: Well, Alan, thanks so much for taking the time thank to talk you. with us about the movie today. Congratulations, Sully. You know, it's 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 another another jewel in the crown for you and Mr. Eastwood. Yeah, so,
1: and hopefully, there's many more to come. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: Well, uh, good luck in a couple of weeks. Fingers thank crossed. You. And thank uh, you. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. This is Glenn Kaiser from the Dolby Institute and the Soundworks Collection Podcast, signing off.